calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. We're off to Europe to fight the Nazis. It's episode 452 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. No, we didn't get a time machine or anything like that, but we are... Talking about Hunters this week, season two of the Prime Video series, which is going to be its final season, is now streaming, and I've got the creator of the series on the show this week and a couple members of the cast. To talk about this new season, you know Adolf Hitler is going to be the main target for this particular season, but there's a lot more going on than that and getting the Hunters back together and even Myers back, you know, Al Pacino's back on the show. How is that possible? I'll go ahead and ask all of those questions for you and get you ready for watching the show before you get a chance to watch it. Or if you're already watching it, you know, get a little bit of inside information on it as well. Also got a couple of reviews to talk about this week. We'll talk about the Velma series from HBO Max. Yes, I'll give you my opinion on that. Also, Alert Missing Persons Unit, which is a show I wanted to review last week from Fox. Going to do that this week because I wanted to be able to drop some spoilers in there. And, of course, there was a couple big trailers that came out this week. Wolfpack from Paramount+. Plus. Also talk about Carnival Row, The Watchful Eye from Freeform, and my dad, the bounty hunter from Netflix. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about on the show this week. But we'll kick it off by talking about Hunters Season 2, the final season. We'll talk to the creator and a couple of members of the cast next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Griffin Newman from The Tick, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Taking Nazi hunting international and hunting for the big prize that is Adolf Hitler. Season 2 of Hunters is now streaming on Prime Video. It is the final season, so it's definitely one that you're going to want to dig into. And I got a chance to talk to the showrunner and executive producer of the show and a couple of the stars as well about this upcoming season, which has a lot going on for it. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you or in these interviews either, by the way. But I actually want to start with my interview with David Wells, who is the showrunner and series creator and executive producer, because if anybody's going to be able to give us some really good insight on what we can expect in this final season, it's him. How are you doing Genius. today, David? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good, man. Really excited for this season. I actually want to start off by talking about Meyer because we saw what happened to him at the end of the last season, but you got Al Pacino, 
You certainly want him to be a part of the second season as well. Talk about this decision to kind of bring him back and tell another side of his story. Absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of season one, I had many conversations with Al. We had such an incredible time working together on season one. And we loved this character of Meyer, the depths and complexities and histories within him. So we knew that there was a lot more to tell with that character. And so having Al's sort of blessing and, and buy-in, what a dream, man. I mean, if, if Al wants to do it, we make it so, you know? And so season two explores the history of Meyer and really the origin story of the Hunters and how they came together. And what I love about it is how Meyer's legacy collides with Jonah in the future, right? In 1979, how that stain from Meyer is still within Jonah and the darkness is still within him. So though there are two separate timelines in season two, I really believe that they're in conversation with one another throughout. Based on what I've seen, I'd agree with that too, for sure. But I want to talk about Sister Harriet too, because there was a bit of a tease involving her at the end of last season as well. So how surprised do you think fans are going to be about her arc this season? I think they will be very surprised. I think there are a lot of secrets in store for her. And without spoiling anything, I think just get ready to be uh, to have that rug pulled from under you. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I want to talk about the team dynamic, though, for a second, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows when we get started here in season two. So how much can you talk about that and, and how that unit got fractured a little bit? Absolutely. So after the end of season one, our team went to Europe to continue hunting Nazis, as they do. And something went wrong. Jonah made a wrong move and got an innocent person killed. And so that accident, but that death fractured our hunters and, and really spread them to the winds, right? They all sort of uh, disintegrated and went their separate ways. And so in season two, we see them come back together, begrudgingly so, uh, because there's a lot of hatred and discord between them, which is played for both some great humor and also drama. But the prize of bringing Adolf Hitler to justice is bigger than any of them. It's way too important. And so they decide to come back together uh, for this one last this one last hunt. Talk about bringing in Adolf Hitler a little bit there, though, because that's that's a name, that's a character. When you drop that character in there, it's like, okay, here we go, sort of thing. So did you kind of feel any pressure? Like, I got to get this right. I've got to nail this story now that I'm bringing him in. 100%. You know, I, I think for me, the genesis of bringing him into the series was just feeling as a, as a Jewish person in the world, and I'm sure the majority of people feel this way, but the fury and the anger that Adolf Hitler was never brought to justice that no vengeance was imparted upon him, right? And so with a show that is about catharsis and wish fulfillment, and that has an alternate history bent to it, that has fictionalized elements, I wanted to invoke him in this series so that though fictionalized, we can bring a sense of justice and vengeance and revenge on his head. And hopefully we will definitely see that when season two of Hunters comes back to Prime Video on January the 13th. David, thank you so much for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. You as well. Great to see you. Thank you so much. You heard from the show's creator. Now let's hear from a couple of the hunters themselves. Tiffany Boone, who plays Roxy, and Louis Ozawa, who plays Joe. And after what happened with Joe at the end of season one and what could be happening in season two, they're kind of in different places. So I thought this would be a very interesting pair to talk to. Louis, Tiffany, what's up? How are you doing? Well, how about you? Very, very good. Thank you. So we saw a lot of you two together. Last season, Roxy and Joe side by side. What's it kind of like having them separated to start this season? It was sad for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, the connection that Roxy and I don't know if it's because of the connection that Roxy and Joe had part of that's part of it. But like Lou and I just like clicked right away, too. And I think we just I don't know, we just became good friends very quickly and understood each other. And so 
just selfishly like not having him around to like talk to and give hugs to and like give a look to when things are crazy was sad for me. And it's also difficult for the character, you know, for Roxy. And so I guess it, it I just put that into the work, like mix, missing him <laughs> into the work and it, it, it worked out nicely, I guess. It's so easy to work with Tiffany, you know, we're not just close on screen, but we're also, you know, she's my we're confidants of each other. And I think you know, season one, we, we lived just blocks from each other when we were shooting on location in New York. And yeah, it was sad and sad. And we, we were kind of like all, you know, because of COVID too, there was a lot of kind of like isolation going on. And to finally get together in Europe when we started filming those scenes in Prague, it was lovely. We were all in the same hotel and having drinks and dinner in the bar. And yeah, it was, it was great. So even though you were missing each other though, you, for you, Louie, how was it, how exciting was it for you to take Joe on a little bit of a different journey this season? That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to explore a character who's been that damaged and that indoctrinated and to see like this true monster emerge, you know, and someone who's able to manipulate him that easily. And then to be able to kind of break out of it and then how to kind of explore that as an actor in such a short amount of time, you know, these flips are really quick within our show. And so, you know, that was something that David and I had talked about in great detail and, you know, moments with Tiffany, just brief moments, that elevator scene, it's just, you know, so much more powerful to me in some ways than an actual like romantic reunion on screen. It was somehow like kind of more poetic, you know, and we were standing 50 feet away from each other and like kind of time stopped in that moment, even for me filming it, you know. Tiffany, really quickly for you, it looks like Millie's going to be a little bit more of an asset to the team this season. What was it like adding her to the mix? It was fun. I mean, because it, we kind of swapped out Jerrica for Louie. Yeah, a little it's, bit, yeah. There were like all the things that were ha- that happened as a group that she was like missing out on first season. It was like, okay, these are the long days we were talking about when all of us <laughs> But also it was good for them, I think, for the characters to have that connection because first season it's like the two black women on the show like butting heads and here we are together getting to work together and creating a cool little relationship it was fun no doubt and hunters will be back for season two on january the 13th on prime video louis tiffany thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it cheers thank you and if you love the show and the first season this second season really adds more depth to the characters and really really just keeps the story moving and having that alternate timeline with Meyer and going back to the past a little bit really does add more to the present. A lot of times you'll see these dueling timelines, you know, and one sort of messes up the other, or it's really hard to, to keep things balanced. This show really, really does that. And the hunt for Adolf Hitler becomes an even more interesting one than you might imagine. And you sort of see that there's another character that has a little bit more to do with it than you might have originally thought. That's the best thing I can tell you without spoiling anything. And yes, Travis is back and being as creepy as ever too. So that you know, there's that. If you if you were a fan of his character or just creeped out by him, yeah, there's gonna be plenty more Travis in season two. So don't you worry about that. And the team dynamic is, you know, it, it's almost like you never left sort of thing. But at the same time, it, 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 there's there's some tension there. And boy, are there a couple of really really big twists, even in the first couple of a couple of episodes so hunters definitely one that you should be watching now streaming 
on Prime Video. If you haven't even started the first season yet, this is this is an intense and very unique alternate history type show that I think you'd really really dig. It's not it's not another show about Nazis and things like that. It's it's definitely got more of a uniqueness to it than that. And you'll see some familiar faces from season one in season two that you might not be expecting as well. So Hunters now streaming on Prime Video is definitely a must watch. That's going to do it for my interviews and thanks to the cast and creator of Hunters for joining me this week. Up next, let's talk about the new Velma series from HBO Max and find out if that one's unique and special as well. That's next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's time to do a little meddling. The first season and premiere of Velma is now available on HBO Max. The first two episodes are available, dropped on Thursday. I'm going to do this spoiler-free, this review, just because I know I know it's been out, and maybe it's been days since it's been out since you've heard this, but I think doing spoiler-free for anybody that's on the fence, you know, should I watch this, should I not? And I'm never going to tell you to watch or not watch anything. I'm going to put that out there right now. You know, I don't, if you've listened to the show before, you know I don't do that. I just say, you know, here's how the reason I liked it or didn't like it. Here's, you know, I didn't dig it, but you might, or I dig it, you might not, or you might sort of thing. I don't really tell you not to watch anything. I'm just going to put that out there right now for anybody that doesn't know. So here's the deal. At first, I'm going to give you a little bit of what the show is about, and then we kind of move on with our lives. I'll tell you what I think. And you basically have Velma you know, for, that you know from Scooby-Doo Gang. And she's a high school student and she's got problems of her own at home. And she's very much far from the popular girl in school. Seems like nobody, nobody likes her, basically. Now, whether or not she does that to herself, I'll get, I'll get to that here in a minute. But what, basically what's happening is people are murdering her classmates. There are kids in this school that are being murdered. They're getting their heads chopped off. Basically, they're getting their heads cut open. And the part of the story is... Let's try and find out who's doing this. And Velma is kind of forced in to that world. But Velma also, and this is the only kind of nugget that I'll give you that might be a little bit of a spoiler if you don't know much about the show. Velma's mother is missing. And we don't know, did she leave? Were there certain circumstances that led to her disappearing or something like that? So that that's a lot of an, that's a lot of if from the show. And that's part of the story is trying to figure that out. Now, here's what I will tell you right off the bat before I get get to my opinion on this. Yes, they're using the characters from the from the Mystery Ink gang. You've got Velma, you've got Fred, you've got Daphne. But and I cannot stress this enough. 
This is not a Scooby-Doo show. And I, I, and I say that with all due respect to the people that created this show. These characters in name only, right? And there's little winks and nods to, to, to Scooby-Doo. You know, they'll make certain references here and there, you know, sort of like fan service sort of thing. With all due respect, this isn't a Scooby-Doo show. And here's the thing, though. If you approach it knowing that it's not a Scooby-Doo show, it's Scooby-Doo-esque, then you might actually have a chance of enjoying it. Because I will tell you right now, if you go into this thinking it's a Scooby-Doo show and looking to see characters that you recognize, you will, but you won't. You're not going to recognize this version of these characters. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you're a diehard Scooby-Doo fan, you'll probably hate these characters. And it's got nothing to do with anything except for how they were written. I, w- I don't want to put this on anybody's performance. I actually thought the voice acting in this show was very good. I thought Mindy Kaling was very good for the part of Velma. I thought that her performance was fine. I thought Glenn Howerton actually did a fantastic job as Fred, even though I don't like the Fred that we're getting. You know, he does a good job with what's being presented and what's being asked of him for the show. So the performances themselves, I don't think were bad. And the animation, by the way, is stellar in this show. You can hate it for its story. You can hate it for what it for for you know what it does what it did to the Scooby Doo characters that you knew and loved, if you want to gatekeep that way. But the animation is stellar in this show. There's no question about that. But again, I, I want to reiterate this is not a Scooby Doo show. It's Scooby Doo is like the window dressing of what the show actually is, and that is a adult animation. I don't even necessarily want to call it a murder mystery. It's it's kind of hard to even explain what the vibe of this show really is. And part of the problem is even if you strip away whether or not this is a Scooby-Doo show, you even if you put that on a shelf somewhere, right? The problem that I had with this show is that there are really no likable characters in it. And yet, and and I say that again with all due respect because is Velma grumpy for a reason? Is she a little crass for a reason? Maybe you could say that she's entitled to that. That, but that's the that the other problem too is that pretty much every other character in this show has a certain sense of entitlement to them, and whether they think they've earned it or not is another story as well. And the show did, did, does a you know it certainly pokes fun at real life, breaks the fourth wall a time or two, you know, pokes fun and has this joke about streaming services and things like that. And being on HBO max, it's like, haha sort of thing. And there's certain real life elements that get poked fun at. And that's not a problem that, that, but that's not something that we don't get in a ton of other shows. It's certainly not something that this show is doing and being unique. It's just trying to play to a certain audience and that's fine, but you're not giving me any likable characters to go along with that. And I and I, I use this as maybe a poor example, but I'm going to go there anyway. If you look at a show like Family Guy, maybe you like Family Guy, maybe you don't. And there's certainly some horrible human beings on that show, or, or horrible characters. But there's probably a character on there that you like. I'm not saying they have to be a good person, but you like the character anyway. So, and even if they are a good person in this particular instance in this show... There, there are some good people, but they're not likable. That's the problem. You can be a good person and not a likable person at the same time. So whether you're talking about characters that are supposed to be, you know, your main characters or not, 
the only real likable character in this show, the only one that really has a chance at it, is Norville, who is somebody who's head over heels in love with Velma and doesn't know how to tell her, but helps her out kind of in her in her little meddling and in her investigations and things like that. So he's the one that gives you the shot, but he's not necessarily a main character per se. I don't think you're watching the show for Norville. No, do, no disrespect to Sam Richardson, who again does a good job with the part, but that's not why you're watching the show. I don't think. Right. So then that brings in the whole problem of, okay, well you're watching because it's, the, you know, it's the Scooby-Doo gang, but it's not though. Like it is, but it's not. That's also the point of the show though. It's not supposed to be the Scooby-Doo gang you grew up with. This is supposed to be a different take on it. And maybe you think that that freshness is a good thing. And again, that's fine. And I'm not and I don't even I'm not even sure I dislike the show. That's just it. I'm, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. I didn't go into this thinking I was going to love it anyway, but I didn't also also didn't think I was going to go into it and hate it. And I don't either way. It's so middle of the road for me that it's that I'm almost indifferent to it. And the story, at least the story, it makes sense. And it, it makes sense that the characters are the way they are necessarily. But at the same time, I find it hard to really get locked into it because I don't really like any of them. And some of the humor doesn't really land for me either. I think sometimes it's very, very forced and you're going for a joke just for the sake of going for a joke instead of letting it develop organically sort of thing or just doing something to just try and get a rise out of your audience, which I'm not sure. I Again, I don't know why you necessarily go ahead and do that. And that just, it, it doesn't seem to work for me, but I mean, it, there's, there's going to be a lot of reasons that people d- dislike this show and won't watch it that are ridiculous. And I'm not going to go ahead and list them here because you know what they are. If you know what I'm talking about, there's going to be ridiculous reasons that people don't like this show. But the reason that I really couldn't find my way to loving this show was the fact that there weren't really any likable characters they, they, it just, it just felt like it was forcing certain things in certain places. And I'm just not sure that this is a story that I'm really getting invested in. It makes sense. And it, and it certainly, you know, is not, it's not necessarily executed poorly either. It's just, it's just kind of there. And if I don't like the character, you have to like characters, be invested in a story. I'm sorry you do. And if the characters are unlikable, how are you supposed to get invested in the story about them you're supposed to be telling. And the murder mystery is not interesting enough to keep me locked in either. That's the other problem is that you've got an automatic suspect right off the bat. And then, you know, you get your, you get a couple of twists in there, but they kind of leave you going, okay, yeah, fine. So we're moving on to the next thing, huh? Sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I really don't. I really hope that this show can find a way to, to pick up steam a little bit and and find that footing but i don't know i don't know that it's gonna I, I think that some of the backlash that the show's already gotten isn't justified for obvious reasons but there are there are a lot of good points out there that this show just doesn't bring anything likable to the table and it's just not funny enough to make up for it it's like hbo max was trying so hard to find that next harley quinn show but the difference between this and harley quinn is is that harley quinn earned that label of this of the character that's presented in that Harley Quinn animated series and it's a Harley Quinn that fans have been clamoring for for years now 
and finally got. Are some of the other characters on that show ridiculous and not even close to what they are in the comics? Absolutely. But does anybody care? No, because there's a lot of likable characters on that show and there's a lot of good jokes that land and the shock value is there for a reason and works for that show. It doesn't seem to work here. It seems forced for the sake of being forced and different for the sake of being different with the window dressing that is Scooby-Doo when it's not, it's again, it's not a Scooby-Doo show and it doesn't necessarily, and it shouldn't necessarily be labeled as such either. Don't go into this thinking it's a Scooby-Doo show and you might have a chance of enjoying it. But if you find a character that you love in these first couple of episodes that actually has an important role in the story, please let me know because I can't find them. And maybe I will in later episodes. I'm going to try and stick with this a little bit longer, see if I change my opinion. But Velma just wasn't for me. Again, it's one of those shows that, you know, I could keep watching it or not and be fine unfortunately i think i probably will stick with it though maybe i'll have that aha aha moment a little bit later on the season but i just don't know that this one was worth doing that's gonna do it for my spoiler free review of velma on hbo max up next gonna change the channel go to fox and talk about a show i was gonna review last week do it this week instead we'll talk about alert missing persons unit from fox that'll be next on the down and nerdy podcast Hi, this is Griffin Newman from The Tick, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Like the show says, they get their babies back, but it's so much more than that. Alert, Missing Persons Unit. First couple of episodes have already premiered on Fox. I wanted to wait, though, until that happened to review this show, because I feel like you need to talk about this with spoilers in order to really get the depth of the show. Now, it is basically a procedural show that follows detectives from the... Philadelphia Police Department's Missing Persons Unit, and they do what they say. They look for missing people. It's not just, you know, kids' kids. It's older older children and, and adults as well. It's just Missing Persons Unit for a reason. And the two de- the, the main detective involved in this is Nikki Parker, played by De- Dania Ramirez. And she does a wonderful job. There's a very deeply deep and meaningful reason that she works for this unit, and that's because her son, Keith, has has had gone missing and is still missing as of the first episode and this child that she she was she had with and I say had he was adopted with Jason Grant who's played by Scott Kahn and that event really fractured their relationship their relationship didn't survive that disappearance and they end up going their separate ways and now Nikki is is seeing someone else named, named Mike, who's also in the unit, by the way, played by Ryan Broussard. And Jason is seeing someone else. And, and it's, you know, now they're thinking about maybe having a family, but he's not quite past what's happened to Keith yet. And he's never stopped looking. And Nikki's kind of not necessarily moved on, but gotten to a place where she's just, you know, kind of living with it sort of thing. Because you never really move on from that sort of thing, right? And th- And that's kind of dealt with in the show. So you have that going on and they have another daughter, Sydney, who's played by Favel Stewart that, that is a part of this thing as well. And these are, she's an adult by now. So it's, and that was her adoptive brother that was a part of this thing. And, and it was just a whole, there, there was a whole mess involved there, but so that's intertwined into what they do for a living and why it's deeply personal for them to find other people's missing children or just missing relatives, things like that. And this show gets pretty, pretty intense. In fact, the second episode, when there was this woman that tracked down this guy, she thought sold her son drugs and her son overdosed and he died. So she basically 
kidnaps this guy. And I say guy was old, like an older kid and tortures the hell out of him until he admits what he did. And it turns out, spoiler alert, she had the wrong guy all along and didn't know it. So they end up finding him and they, everything ends up working out for the best for not for her, but for them. And it was just, a, it was a really intense procedural, but also mixed up in all this is again, this is spoilers here is that Keith at the end of episode two, beginning at the end of episode one, beginning of episode two comes back. They find him. And I say, find him. It's very convenient how they end up getting him back. Actually, it almost seems too easy. And then as you start to unpack things a little bit, Maybe Keith is Keith. Maybe he isn't. Seems like somebody's gone to great lengths to make it seem like it's Keith anyway. But Sydney's the one. And you'd think, you know, sister would be happy to have brother back sort of thing. Mom and dad are Jason. I mean, excuse me, Nikki and Jason are ecstatic. They're just over the moon, just happy to have their baby back. But Sydney's the one going, eh, I don't know. And then you've got Mike, who was in charge of his Keith's case in the first place. And he's like, you know, I got to, you know, try and we still need to find this kidnapper could still be after him, how he escaped, things like that. There's also security footage of how he escaped and all of these other things. He has a bit of convenience or something. And Sydney's not sure. Mike's not not sure, but he certainly wants more answers. And that puts him in a tough spot because Keith's, you know, traumatized and doesn't necessarily want anything to do this. And Nikki's being protective mom. And you can understand why after he's been gone for so long. So that, you know create some friction between the two of them and they're now engaged by the way. So that's, you know, that adds to it. And, and Mike's wondering, you know, now that Keith is back or things going to, you know, is Jason going to get back in the picture with Nikki and things like that. So there's a lot more going on than just the procedural here. There's a very dramatic part of the show as well. And then you add in the rest of the unit, you've got Kemi who's playing by Adola role role. And she's, you know, she's burning incense. She's praying. She's doing everything she can to get these kids back and and she's very, very insightful and tech savvy and things like that. And then you have C who's played by Pete Gibson and he's basically the guy in the basement, you know, making all the technological things happen. He's like has his own space and he's a very eccentric character. So all of these things work within this unit. They really do. But so you've got the mystery of is that or is that not Keith and how that affects the entire dynamic of these characters in the unit itself, by the way. And you have these interesting character moments in these episodes, in these procedural episodes as well, in these cases that have some twists and turns to them. Now, is it a completely unique show? I wouldn't go that far to say it's completely unique, but it's entertaining. If you, especially you take it for what it is. It's an entertaining show. It's well cast. There's an interesting ongoing story that's layered on top of all of these different cases, which have certain, you know, intensity to them as well. And you got to try and there's a whodunit factor there. That's really, really interesting. And then you also have the, you know, once you're invested in these characters, you really start to enjoy the show more. Like I, I, I love Nikki's character immediately and her relationship with Mike and, and the dynamic of Jason and how Keith gets back into this thing. And, and, you know, kind of screws up the dynamic. I don't want to say screws up the dynamic because, you know, your kid comes home and they shouldn't. But is it their kid? Because there's hints being dropped throughout these episodes that it's not. Or is he so are they wanting him to remember who he was if it really is Keith? And why is that the case? And there, there's just and, you know, Sydney might have been involved in the disappearance or at least seen what happened. We find that out about that at the end of episode two. So. 
a lot of moving parts in the show just in the first couple of episodes. This one, actually, I really think this is one that if you haven't given it a chance yet because you're thinking, oh, you know, it's just, it's just another procedural. I don't need that in my life. And Fox does that a lot, blah, blah, blah. I think this one is a touch more than just that. So give it a chance every Monday nights when you can see this show. It is alert missing persons unit from Fox. You can also watch it on, you know, the Fox app and Hulu and things like that. So make sure you're doing that as well. But this is one that you should give a chance because if you're if you're dismissing it just because you think it's another procedural, I think that would be a big mistake. Give it a shot and let me know what you think. That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of the first couple of episodes of Alert. I didn't give away a whole ton. So, you know, don't worry about me, you know, spoiling the first couple of episodes if you haven't seen them yet. Uh, you know, there are obviously some key points I talked about, but not everything. Trust me, it's, you, there's still plenty to enjoy there. Up next, let's find out if there's some nerd news that we can get into. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Mark Paul Gossler from The Passage on Fox, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. We're just here to join the pack. It's time for nerd news, and there's just a lot of trailers to talk about this week. No really news that jumped out at me, so I thought it'd take an extra long time to talk about some brand new trailers that dropped. The first one was for Wolfpack, which is going to be coming to Paramount Plus, this is actually based on the book series by Ido Van Belkum. So if you're familiar with that, you know the story. And of course, Sarah M- Michelle Geller is back in leading this series, which I know that fans are very, very excited about. I'm excited to see her back as well. We'll see this Thursday on Thursday, January the 26th on Paramount Plus. And the gist of this is basically, and you see this in the trailers, there's a, there's a big forest fire and there's some teenagers on, on a bus and something comes out during this fire and it just starts picking people off one by one. And so these some of these teenagers, they escape whatever this creature is and it's still attacking just these the, the burning hills and this highway traffic jam that's going on. And these there's a there's a boy and a girl who are just really drawn to each other. And there's a couple of other teenagers that are drawn to each other as well. And there's just a weird park ranger that's a part of this. And you see the full moon and you hear the howling. You're like, all right, here we go. Werewolf time. But what's really going on under the surface of this? Because it seems like this, there, there were other wildfires that triggered something like this before. And that's where Sarah Michelle Geller's character sort of comes in and she's investigating this whole thing. And she seems like she's a skeptic really on Sarah Michelle Geller's character, but it's her partner in this that kind of goes, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's some things that you're not really considering. And these poor teenagers have no idea what's going on, what's happening to them and, and how everything is sort of progressing and, and what's, and what's out there that they were running from in the first place. And it just seems like there's a, this one seems like it's got a chance to be really interesting there's a lot of intrigue here and there's a story there that it just seems like it's a story that's going to be really, really intriguing throughout each of these episodes. And obviously, you know, if, if the book series was a huge success, so the, that already should tell you right there that this should, that this is a story that, that should be told on the screen. But it just seems like the, the, in the backdrop of this forest fire thing, really has me interested too. It's like, why is that the trigger? And obviously if the, if we're talking werewolves here, 
You know, how did this whole thing come about? What's the origin of that? How does it affect these teenagers specifically? And are they going to end up slowly turning into killing machines themselves? Who knows? That's, there's a lot of question marks that surround this whole thing. And that's one of the things that really caught my eye about this trailer. And it just looks beautifully shot, too. If you look at just the trailer, some of the backdrops for this thing are pretty crazy. And it doesn't seem like it's trying to go for a lot of gore. It doesn't look like it's it's trying to do a lot of jump scares or you know just scares for the sake of being scary sort of thing. It seems like everything is tied in to its story. And that's that, to me is where the best part of this thing lies. So Wolfpack coming to Paramount Plus on January the 26th. I'm really looking forward to seeing if this one lives up to the hype that it's been given because I think this thing has been hyped up quite a bit and I hope that it can certainly live up to that. The second and final season of Carnival Row is going to be coming to Prime Video on February the 17th and that means Rycroft going to Philo's going to be back Orlando Bloom's character and also vignette Cara Delevingne's character, The Picks. And yeah, the tensions are in an all-time high. If you look at this, the first trailer for this second season, there's there's more murders. And, you know, Philo's sort of called in to, to help. He's like, yeah, I'm not not, a, not an inspector anymore. Can't really help you. You think a Picks did this. And, you know, that's definitely bad news. And the the Bergs had it. Basically, they've had enough. The human leaders, they've had enough of the row. So they make this big sort of, you know, public display sort of killing to try and send a message to the row. And now the row has kind of had enough, too. So basically what it seems like we're setting up for here is an all out war between the Berg and the row. And and, and it's, you know, sort of vignette, sort of like the spark of this. And, and Philo's the guy that's trying to throw a little bit of cold water on this going, you know, he's you got to be careful here because, you know, they, you, you do this. And they come after the whole row, and the whole row is going down. But it almost seems like everybody in the row would rather fight than just kind of sit there and try and play nice. Because, again, this is not not something, we're not breaking the mold here with the whole, you know, we tried to play nice thing, that didn't work, so we're not going to play nice now. That's not breaking a story mold here. But what's going to happen is, is that, you know, looking at the catalysts, of what was finally too much and who's on whose side and the role that Philo plays in this whole thing too, because obviously he wants, you know, you know, his life with vignette, but she's not just going to sit by and watch the row burn just for the sake of trying to, you know, she could, they could easily leave is basically what, what I'm kind of getting getting out of this trailer. Like they could take off her and Philo, they could take off and everything could be fine. She's not willing to do that because she's still got people that she cares about in the row that she wants to protect and just the way of life of the row in general. And there's, you know, that's, that's a place that she went when she had no place else to go too, sort of thing. But there's a lot of societal impacts that are involved in this show. And in this trailer, this is a show that, Hey, I wish it could go on more seasons too, but I, the fact that they're cutting it off at two tells me that they've got an idea that they can end this story in two seasons, but really go out with a bang. You could stretch out this show. You certainly could do that and tell a little bit more of the story. But I think that they have also have a chance to be more impactful here and be able to tell their story in a way that really leaves a lasting impression. And by the way, you know, leaving you wanting more is not a bad thing. And I think that we need to start realizing that 
a little bit is that, you know, you leave them wanting more. And that's a compliment, by the way. If we're sitting here clamoring for more of this and wishing we could have gotten it, that's a natural reaction for sure. But that doesn't mean that we should necessarily get it. It's like saying, you know, should you make another Beetlejuice movie? Do you try and make another Back to the Future movie? You know, you leave people wanting more for a reason and something's always talked about and always beloved. Carnival Row has a chance to do that. And again, this is a show that's not cheap to make, by the way. It takes a long time to shoot. So you also understand those elements as well. And, you know, say one or two of the characters couldn't be back. You know, would you really want to tell this story without them? I don't I don't know that you'd want to do that. So I think that they kind of went into this knowing this would be their final season. So we gave them a chance to be able to wrap things up the way they wanted to. And they're certainly getting enough episodes to do that. So we'll find out how that all starts on February the 17th on Prime Video. This is one that I had my eye on. It's called The Watchful Eye from Freeform. That brand new series is going to premiere on Monday, January the 30th. And that's actually going to have a double premiere episode starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And then you know the show regular beyond, regularly beyond at 10 o'clock. These, these are also going to be next day on Hulu, by the way. And this story follows Elena Santos. She's basically, she's a very complicated young lady, as, as they like to say. And she's kind of maneuvered her way into working for this really wealthy, as a, as a nanny for this really wealthy family. And she meet, moves into this building where a lot of weird stuff happens. You know, a lot of people die under mysterious circumstances. And it seems like everybody's got something that they're hiding. And everybody's got their own like dirty little secret and just weird stuff. And you see throughout this trailer, just random weird stuff starts happening. You know, one second you think it's fine. And then the next second you think you've got somebody whispering in your ear, trying to tell you something or trying to hurt you, something like that. There's a lot of creepy, weird type stuff. This show kind of reminded me of Servant from Apple TV Plus when I was first looking at it. But it's almost like a cross between Servant and... And Cruel Summer, and that would, which made sense because the, the, the creators of this show are the same people that worked on Cruel Summer, the first season of Cruel Summer as well. So it sort of makes sense that, that that would sort of be tied in here as well. It's the same network anyway, so it makes sense that this would be a show that would be tied together to that a little bit. But just watching to figure out who's got what up their sleeve who you really need to be keeping an eye, keeping an eye on. And by the way, Elena's not, not innocent in all of this because there's a fortune that's involved too in this. And she's like, you know, I'm going to rip this off. And it seems like her boyfriend, fiance, whoever this person is, we don't really know based on the trailer, but she's definitely with this person. She's kind of the inside person on, on the job. And he's the one kind of pushing her saying, hey, you need to stick it out. You know, this is our chance to have a, a new life together, blah, blah, blah. So you need to stick it out and try and figure out what's going on. So she's navigating this very dangerous world of very unpredictable and creepy people to try and and do something pretty nefarious herself. So again, this is a show that my alarm bells are up a little bit because I'm like, okay, I need a likable character. I need somebody to root for. Hopefully this show gives me that. I kind of think Elena will be that person, even though she's got bad intentions. I'm really hoping that she ends up being a likable character, which is possible. By the way, you can you can kind of be both a little bit. So the watchful eye is certainly something that I'll be keeping my eye on for sure. Yes, I made that joke twice. Whether it was funny or not, 
deal with it. It's there. The watchful eye is going to be on Freeform on Monday, January the 30th and every Monday after that. One more I want to talk about is an animated series on Netflix that I think looks really fun as family show. My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, which will be out on February the 9th on Netflix. You can actually watch the first episode right now on YouTube. Actually, they posted the whole first episode for you to watch. But I just want to talk about the trailer right now because you basically have Laz Alonzo who plays a dad who his kids, you know, he doesn't get to really see his kids a lot. He's not really around because of his job sort of thing. And you find out that his job is like this intergalactic bounty hunter. And he basically hunts down, you know, the toughest aliens in the galaxy and brings them in. Now, the way his kids find out about this, and you see this in the trailers, they kind of stow away in dad's car because they want to spend time with him. He was supposed to spend time with them that day. He gets called off on this job. So they want to see what it is that dad does or just go along with him to spend time with him. So now they get caught up in his latest bounty hunting adventure and instead of being you know a boring old dad he's far from that so you know there's aliens in outer space and lasers robots and all kinds of stuff flying all over the place and meanwhile he's trying to be dad do his job at the same time oh by the way and not tell mom what's really going on with the kids so this just looks like a really fun one and and i say that because you sort of, when you're a dad, and I've got three kids at home, so when you're a dad, you sort of get instincts about these certain things, like this is a show that I can try to watch my kids that's not going to drive me nuts while I'm watching it. And I've, I've mentioned this about shows before. It's like, give me something that I can enjoy as an adult, but the kids will also enjoy right along with me. And I know, I realize that's not easy. There's a very fine line there to doing something like that. But this show, when I saw this trailer and I saw the concept for this show, I thought to myself, this is one that kind of feels like it fits in that mold. Plus, it's got a great cast too. You got excuse me, Laz Alonso. That's going to be a part of this. You got Vet Nicole Brown, and if she's in it, you know, you kind of automatically go, okay, yeah, she doesn't she doesn't pick bad stuff to be in. And and Van Von Orgy is going to be in this as well. And you've got Pry Ferguson that's going to be in this playing the kids. It just looks like it's going to be so much fun. To watch this show, Dad, the My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, premiering on February the 9th on Netflix. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Dan and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the folks at Prime Video for allowing me to chat with the cast and the creator of Hunters. Make sure you're streaming that this weekend on Prime Video. Also, follow along with us on social media at Dan and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram at Down and Nerdy on Facebook, at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. I've been promising you some new and unique videos on TikTok. There are some new ones up there. Check them out. Let me know what you think. By the way, if, you're, if you've been a longtime fan of the show, Matchup Monday is back, and it's happening on TikTok. You're welcome, because I've always loved Matchup Mondays. Also, follow along with us at downandnerdypodcast.com, and make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your podcast. That helps out a ton. And remember... You never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.